Welcome, I'm Diana Williams, the Chief Executive Officer of the West Valley Warner Center Chamber of Commerce. I also serve as the Director of the Community Benefit Foundation. We have a special guest here today. He is our dedicated and hardworking council member, Bob Blumenfield. Thank you so much for being here, Bob. Oh, Dan, thank you for having me. I'm sorry we're not we're not able to be physically in the same place, but it's great to uh, have this virtual conversation. Well, I invited you into my home, so that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, when I first heard that you were going to be running for CD3, it was pretty exciting for me because at that point, I had known you from the work that you did on the uh, federal level with uh, Congressman Berman. And of course, at that time, you were serving on the state level as our local state assembly member. Yes. So for me, I thought this is uh, great for our, the future of our region. And it was really exciting for me to know that you were going to be doing that. And it sure has proved to be great. The legislative experience and all that you brought to our, our region has been terrific and so effective. And your leadership is really uh evident in your staff and in your team, everything from being approachable to being helpful and getting so much done in the community, it really, really shows. And on that part, I wanted to say, you know, you come to all the events and you come to community meetings and you're so good about making sure that the constituents participate in community matters, like revitalizing uh, Ventura Boulevard and all the different projects you have going on. And that's pretty impressive. And, and I, I will say that you're uh, popular in the district, not only because of your willingness to help us and how engaging you are, but also you're in your preparedness. So we have had a number of situations arise since you've been our council member. And uh, starting with the Woolsey fire, you know, I was lucky enough to work alongside you and volunteer and watch your team in action. And, and now with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, and you have really enabled yourself and your team to be quick to act. You're prepared and it shows, and we are so very appreciative of that. I do know of some programs that you have going at this time, like the free mask program, where you're making sure everybody in your council district has a mask. But I know there's so many other things that you, you have going on. Would you share with us just some of what you, you have achieved and what you plan to do um, in the coming days and what you've already done during the Safer at Home order? Well, absolutely. And first off, thank you for that very, very kind introduction and really it is, it's an honor and a, a privilege to serve this amazing community in the West Valley. And I don't ever take that for granted uh, for a second. It really, every moment I get to, to help this community is, is, is a moment I cherish. And that's why I throw myself into it because it is an amazing, uh, it's just an amazing community all around the people and the organizations like the chamber. I mean, you guys have, you know, have just dug in from the beginning, helping our, our businesses and helping create this thriving West Valley community that we that we all love. And, and part of the reason we love it is because of all of the amazing businesses, uh, the mom and pop stores and, and just just the, 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 the sort of small town uh, vibe in this in this urban megalopolis that we get to enjoy being in the West Valley. It's just it's it's wonderful. Uh, so I just had to start out with that. But but in terms of the, the programs that we're doing, we're doing a lot of a lot of stuff. You mentioned the masks, you know, part of the 
the, the stay at home order and, and currently the mayor's executive order is, is for folks to wear masks whenever they're in public, particularly obviously at, at grocery stores and those kinds of things. And, and whenever you're in a, in a group situation to wear a mask and, and while masks are now starting to be much more available and people can, can buy them at the local stores, uh, for a while it was it was difficult to get them and it's and it's hard for some folks to find them. So I, I went out and, and sourced uh, a large quantity and we were able to acquire uh, purchase about 25,000 masks and I, I put together a, a program for anyone who lives in the third district and the third district is is what I represented specifically it's Canoga Park, Reseda, Winnetka, Tarzana, and Woodland Hills, about 280,000 people. And basically, we put out a mailer and, and a text saying to folks, if you want a mask, you know, talking about the importance of wearing masks and then saying, if you want a mask and you don't have one, we will give one to you or give two to you for your family. And we put that out there. People signed up. We were able to mail out, you know, almost 10,000 masks. And we've had a drive through in my office uh, where people come by socially distanced and we hand people the masks using one of those grabbers. It's like four feet long and we hand it uh, at a distance and uh, we still have a few masks available and people can sign up. Uh, although it's, you know, it's, it's while supplies last. And so we're, we're coming to the end of that, but, um, but that's just, just one thing we're doing a lot. You know, you mentioned the emergency preparedness. Uh, that's always been a passion of mine uh, ever since, I used to work for Congressman Berman, as you mentioned, and I was the point person for the earthquake, for the Northridge earthquake in 94. And that experience seared into my consciousness the importance of being prepared and, um, you know, and what, what that means for our community. Because not only was I the point person for the $14 billion worth of aid, but I spent the next year and a half working with our local businesses and FEMA and SBA to help get people up and running because there was a real fear that we would become a ghost town and that we would not be able to recover from this. And that was not uh, a fear without justification. That could have been the outcome, but because of a lot of hard work and, and, uh, and funding and everything else, we were able to, to get back on our feet uh, and, and thrive and, and to the point where the, the Valley is the strongest part of the city economically. And we can do that again with this crisis. Toward that end, toward being prepared, uh, I have this this group there called Community Action Team, and they are volunteers. For the last ten years, they have been with me. We actually have an office within my office, uh, a special office where they meet and and have their own space. And part of what that community team does is we forward deploy deploy supplies, and so we have set up. We have two warehouses. I'm probably the only council member certainly in LA, but probably in the country that has two warehouses full of emergency supplies, as well as we have these pods that we forward deployed. And throughout the years, we, we make sure that they're kept fresh through barter and other ways that the, that the community action team does. And when there is a crisis like the Woolsey fire or, or Saddleback or, or anything else, we spring into action and we provide those supplies immediately to where they're needed. I never thought that those supplies would be part of a pandemic, but that was one of the first things that we were able to do when this pandemic hit was get those supplies to where they were needed. And that meant in this case, we had masks and gowns and other and sanitizer. We were able to get them to the hospitals and nursing homes right away in the area that were realizing that they didn't have enough. Uh, and 
equally important. We had a large supply of food, non-perishable food, and we were able to go to some of the food pantries in the area, Guadalupe Center, the West Valley Food Pantry, uh, One Generation, others, and bring them literally truckloads. Uh, you know, not, we're not talking about a small amount, pallets with, you know, that are moved by a forklift of food. Uh, because all of these organizations, when this pandemic hit and were, were hit with this double whammy where their usual supply chain, basically, uh, like getting the overstock at the grocery stores or getting the, the restaurants to give them uh, extra food, dried up overnight because there were people were hoarding food and people, you know, the supermarkets were being cleared out and the restaurants were being shut down. So they didn't have any food. So we were able to, to help fill that gap a little bit. Kudos, major kudos to uh, Nathan and Jamie and the whole team of community action folks, because they were able to, to fill that gap. Now we've, you know, we used up our supplies pretty quickly, although, you know, it took, even though we had two warehouses full of stuff and we still have stuff, but not some of the, the, the food at the moment, it was able to fill that gap. Uh, so we were able to, to do those kinds of things. You know, another thing to do is, is trying to support the nonprofits. You mentioned just some of the immediate things. And I don't mean to ramble too much, but you gave me a pretty open question. Uh, <laughs> but one of the other things is, you know, we, we are so blessed in the West Valley to have a, a strong network of nonprofit groups that serve the community. Not only did I notice that the food pantries were hurting, but a lot of, a lot of our nonprofits were having that same double whammy effect where their need, the need for that, their services was spiking at the very same time that the the resources they have was basically tanking. I wanted to help fill in that gap as well. Obviously, as a, I don't run a foundation, but as a city and as an office, I could move some money around. And I was able to basically free up about $100,000, a little more. And we put together a, a donation program. And we immediately, to, to these organizations, were able to give some major grants, whether it was the 10,000 to the food pantry or 10,000 to the Jewish home for the aging or um, money we gave to the therapeutic living center or CDI or, or West, you know, or, or the sisters on the street or the family resource center. I mean, there's just so many, the boys and girls club, the YMCA, we were able to give all of these groups grants, including some economic groups, as, as you know, uh, including the chamber, uh, not just to give them emergency money, but also I wanted it to be a way to, induce others to give because, you know, my budget's fairly limited, although that's a good chunk of money out of my budget. But I, I thought by doing this, I could then send out solicitation letters to folks and say, look, these are nonprofits that are struggling in my district. They're dealing with the COVID crisis. Can you help as well? And I put my money here. I know these organizations. Uh, and so I did that. In addition to the grant, we put out a solicitation letter. We made a video about each, each of these organizations and I'm proud to say a lot of folks have stepped up to the challenge and have been giving, giving to these groups uh, because of that solicitation and because they, they see the amazing work. In fact, just, just today I got word of, a, of a, a sizable one that's going to the West Valley Food Pantry because of this. And, and so it's, it's really, it was good that we could not only give the money, but we could help leverage some additional money because our nonprofits are on the front lines just as our, our, first responders and hospital workers are. It's a little different, but you know, you know, you look at these groups, one generation, I mean, they are, they are providing meals to seniors and others who are homebound and who are all of a sudden faced with a situation where they cannot 
get basics like food for themselves. And so that this is a way uh, to help give back. Anyway, I could, I could go on. We've done social media PSAs for some of our local restaurants to try to help with our local businesses. Uh, I've been producing these PSAs just, just to help folks know that they're doing curbside pickups. And, and that way I can send out to my network of folks through social media and, and newsletters and whatnot, um, because we want to support everybody, including our, our, um, our businesses and restaurants that are hurting so much. So sorry for the long answer. No, no, that's terrific. Thank you so much. You brought up so many great points, you know, with unemployment being at its all time high, uh, the West Valley Food Pantry, the food pantries overall are seeing more and more people, more people than they've ever seen. And the, and the need is absolutely there. Uh, so I'm so grateful for you to do that. It was funny to hear you say that you you have uh, all this these items left over. And I thought for sure that we went through everything during the Woolsey fire. <laughs> but you were prepared this time as well. And you had additional needs uh, to meet and you met them. So that is just astounding. And I know you give a lot of credit to your, uh, your community action team. Uh, in case people don't know what Bobcats are, they're Bob's community action teams. And I have the honor of serving on two of those of the economic development as well as beautification. And it's my honor. But I will say uh, that the, the disaster preparedness community action team is the one that we have probably needed the most over this this period of time. So thank you. Uh, that's really wonderful. And the fact that you you gave to these uh, nonprofits that really need it and that you're bringing attention to the fact that they, they too are going to be in need of help. That's really terrific. Uh, council member, you have been representing our district on the LA City Council now, and you're doing such a great job of it. We recently heard that Governor Newsom is going to plan on cutting $54 billion from the state's budget over the next three years. Can you give us an idea of what the city of L.A. is talking about as a proposal to help not only the city's bottom line, but perhaps uh, to fund programs in the future as we continue to open up our business community as we recover? Sure. I mean, you know, you mentioned that they're making, he's making major cuts, you're saying, on the, on the state budget. And, and frankly, we're making major cuts uh, on the city budget as well. I mean, we're, we're losing the moment looks like almost 10 percent of our budget and we're trying to adjust accordingly. And, and it's a very painful process to, to deal with that. But in terms of the second part of your question about how we are, are, are helping our small businesses, uh, as a city, there's several ways. You know, one is a small business technical assistance. We we established an 11 million dollar micro loan program for small business, which is important. But at the same time, the U.S. government has this what's what's known as the Paycheck Protection Program, which is a 300 billion dollar small business assistance. And I mentioned that in terms of the city because I realized pretty quickly that being a, a numbers kind of person, that that a tiny little change in terms of how we can help our businesses position them themselves to access that federal money could mean so much money. Literally, a, you know, 0.01% could be a $10 billion difference in terms of Los Angeles. So I made sure that we took some funding as well, and we passed a motion to use city funds to help EWDD, which is a city department, provide technical assistance to small businesses to help them access the federal funds um, and also basically provide assistance on how to effectively keep their businesses going and working with the chambers, et cetera, because that's, it's, it's those federal funds 
that are the biggest driver at the moment in terms of funding and, and any little bit that we can do to position our businesses. And this is what the chamber is all about too, uh, to take advantage of that will make a tremendous difference. Uh, other things on the city, we know LA doesn't always make it easy for folks to start up new businesses or expand existing ones. And that's true for restaurants and bars. Uh, so recently the council was able to adopt a motion that I put forward to have EWDD convene a working group that includes the food and beverage industry, city departments uh, that involved in processing uh, applications and permits, LA County Health, all together to, to figure out how to streamline this application and approval process because part of the thing the city can do is we can offer a handout and hand up, but part of it is we can also get out of the way. And that's part of the, the process is to see how the city can make our processes easier to implement. Uh, and so that's a way to help reduce red tape. Uh, similarly, uh, I have a motion that uh, is scheduled to be heard on Wednesday. It's, it, I introduced it uh, two weeks ago. It's going to be heard by the full council this Wednesday, the 27th. And what this one does, is it instructs the city attorney to draft an ordinance to help businesses and commercial property owners by doing three things. To extend the expiring conditional use permits, zoning administrator decisions, et cetera, uh, for 12 months after the expiration of the emergency order. Why is that important? So many, so much of these conditional use permits, et cetera, take a lot of time, but they generally get approved, the major vast majority of them. And so we don't need to put businesses to the trouble and expense of filing for these renewals at this time. It just doesn't make sense. We, we, need, we need and we want these businesses to focus on their business. So, um, so that's important. And if businesses fail and their commercial vacancies, we want to allow changes of use without triggering additional parking requirements. It's just another thing the city can do. For example, if a yoga studio or restaurant or CrossFit wants to go into a storefront, this ordinance that I'm putting forward gives property owners greater flexibility to lease a wide range of tenants and not go through a lengthy process to get approval for a parking variance or offsite parking. It reduces the cost of starting up a business. So we wanna make sure we're doing things like this. Similarly, part of this ordinance would also suspend requirements that businesses provide off-site or valet parking. You know, our businesses right now, during the pandemic, I'm talking about during the crisis, they have fewer customers. Why are we making the lease or pay for valet parking when they have so many fewer customers? So I view this as a common sense ordinance to help business. There's obviously the money that they need, that's one of it, and one part of it, and then trying to have the city get out of the way is the other part. Uh, other motions are out there that make it easier for restaurants to use their parking lots or public sidewalks for parking spaces for outdoor dining. We need to adapt during that. We know that restaurants aren't you're going to just magically open 100%. A lot of them are going to probably have to open using outdoor space. So in as much as the city can make it easier and more convenient to use the public space, these that, that will be a lifeline for some of these businesses. Other lifelines we're putting out there uh, I mean, there's so many different things, but the senior meal program, one way is to use the restaurants to provide meals for homebound seniors because so many of them are in need right now. And so if we can, it's a win-win. If we can pay the restaurants to provide those meals, then the seniors who need the meal win and the restaurants are able to stay in business as well. So that's, that's a program that's up and running uh, as well. And we, we've got uh, at least one business in the district that's that's able to take advantage of that. And as that expands, we're going to get other restaurants as well engaged in that. 
That's great. Uh, just the, the ease of doing business, you know, as we're going through this pandemic, I make it a practice to find the silver lining. And I'm thinking that some of these uh, ease of doing business in LA, some of it's going to stick, you know, some of the things that we've been pretty resourceful and coming up with uh, are actually going to extend into the future and help our, our business community. So that's terrific. This is a concern to you as well as our business community. We've been experiencing this downturn in our economy. Uh, we've all witnessed how resilient our business community is. It's been amazing. I mean, who knew that we would be able to pick up groceries with our restaurant takeout order or have fitness classes and mental health counseling and even doctor's appointments via teleconference. So we have a lot of stories from our business community. And I was wondering if you had would like to either recount some of the stories that you might have heard. Uh, also, maybe just give a little recognition to the West Valley business community and, and offer some encouragement as they, as they move forward and looking for these alternative revenue streams and look for ways to do business and, and keep their doors open. Anything that you have to say as you've witnessed the, our business community being creative and resourceful? Yeah, it, it is amazing what, what we've seen out there. I mean, make no mistake, though, it is a, it is a hard and difficult time for, for businesses. And, and there are a lot of businesses and, that are failing uh, and that, that may, will not make it out of, out of this crisis. But uh, there are a lot of folks who are figuring out new and creative solutions, and 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 you know my economic development team is out there working on it. You, you know, you being part of that, and and both in terms of helping people get the, the the funds, but also trying to find you know rely on each other for creative solutions. But great examples like Dan Supersub, great example of a business that's been innovating, making online uh, intake forms for subs. They're, you know they're doing email orders and using DoorDash and pay, uh, Postmates. But, you know, they're an old school restaurant. They've been here forever and they figured out uh, creative ways to do it. And I should say for all these restaurants, if you can ever call directly and, and you, the, you know, when you use Uber, um, Uber Eats or Postmates or DoorDash, those are great. And that's helped so many businesses that don't have delivery, but they also take a chunk out of the, uh, out of the restaurant. So whenever it's possible, I always try to order directly from, from the restaurant. Uh, other creative things, Nicola's Kitchen. Uh, they have a system when you buy a meal for yourself, you can also buy a meal for a first responder working on the front lines. That's a very creative idea. Gasolina did something similar with hospital workers. You know, so restaurants are thinking of creative ways to be able to bring in more business. But at the end of the day, it's community support is is what's going to keep these folks going. Um, and and so anybody who can, can afford to do so during this time and, and, and help our restaurants out, you're you're not only getting a good eat, and and uh, but you're you're helping these folks and 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 buying gift cards. A lot of these restaurants are uh, and businesses are selling gift cards. Gift cards are basically a way to to give a business a loan without going through a whole bank and different process. You buy a gift card, that's a loan. That may be a life saving loan for for that business. It's tough. I know we're going to get through this. I mean, I remember in the Northridge earthquake, people were thought that businesses were going to be you know, shuttered forever. And, uh, you know, we certainly came out of that strongly. It took a, took a while. And I know we're going to come out of this too. We may be a little bowed, but we're not going to be broken. But we're, as you mentioned, we're also going to uh, have a whole new way of doing things. Uh, and there'll be a lot of positives in that regard of uh, the new businesses and new ways of doing business that, that will stick. Um, so it's, 
it, it's, I, I don't want to sugarcoat any of it. It is tough, but, but folks are stepping up and they're getting creative and, and things are starting to loosen a little bit in terms of, you know, who's open and, and how people can be open. You've been so effective as our council member and I'm really appreciative of all that you do. I know that you also have uh, some experience in budget with the state and, and that's carrying through with what you're doing for us on, on uh, the city level as well. So thank you for that. Congratulations on, on your Bobcats. I know this, this, we keep referring to it, but I wanted to talk to you about each time these situations come up, you are prepared and you have a way of prioritizing the needs of the community, which is really terrific because so much comes up to you all at once and you have a great way of prioritizing that. So um, speaking of being prepared, what do we have in place for the recovery process? You've given us a lot of words of encouragement and, and reasons to have hope for the future. Do we have any plan in, in the recovery process and what do you see as the challenges and how do we plan to overcome those challenges so that we can get back on our feet and revitalize our local economy? Well, I mean, you know, we all want us to get back to business as usual as fast as possible. And obviously the, the biggest challenge is, is this, this virus and, and getting, you know, getting the curve to flatten and ultimately getting, getting the vaccine. Because until we get that vaccine, we're still going to be crippled in many respects. Just now, on, on, a, on a positive front, you know, the, the infection rate, which is what you really need to look at, is right is hovering right around one, meaning every person who's sick infects just one person. When that rate goes up, which it did, you know, it's been up, you see an exponential increase in the cases. What we've done as a, as a state, as a city, has flattened that to the point where we were above one and just recently we now are, are at one. And if we can get below one, a one-to-one -one infection rate, we'll start seeing the virus go away, which is what we all want. But at the same time, as we open up, we, we create many more interactions and, and many more chances for that virus to, you know, for that rate of infection to go up. And if, if it goes up too much, then we have to put the brakes on, uh, on our reopening. And, you know, so what have we, you know, in terms of the future, you know, May 8th, the county and the city opened up retail curbside and doorside pickup for different retail stores, like clothing and sporting goods stores. Uh, and I should say on, on all of this, in terms of when you want to see what's open and what's not, go to corona-virus.la slash business. And that gives you the most up-to-date understanding of, and they have different categories of, of who's open and when, when they're open and what the situation is at that moment, uh, because it literally changes by the minute. High-risk businesses that are person-to-person -person contact, they're still closed and it's painful that they're closed, but you know, if they just open up, the fear is that we get, we end up with a second wave and the second wave could, would be even more crippling than the first wave, both health-wise and financially. You know, we need to we need to go as fast as we can on the reopening, but not so fast that it that it forces us to to put the brakes on. The biggest challenge is is scale. We have to gradually reopen these businesses and have policies where we can exercise the social distancing, you know, because we can't forget what we're up against. We're up against death. I mean, this 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 is this pandemic has killed in the first three months more people. In this, more Americans in, in, than uh, the Vietnam War killed in two decades. 
it is not it is not something to trifle with. It is it is extremely serious. Um, you know, we keep learning more about it, but but and 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 how to avoid it, and and you know how some folks don't have this impact, but but you can't dismiss it when you look at the death rate. You know, just people are dying from this, and and we've got to. That's got to be the 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 north star is trying to keep that mortality rate down. And and a lot of positive things have happened. Our you know because we flattened the curve, we never lost our capacity at, in terms of hospital. The fear was, uh, as happened in other places, that we would have more patients than the hospital could handle, and we would lose many people that way. Our hospitals uh, have been able to be at capacity. We were able to send the U.S. Mercy, USS Mercy ship, which was you know landed at the LA port to have to be backup for us. That now is gone. That ship because because we've been able to manage the capacity so far. Um, but we've also got to keep our economy on track. That requires doing everything we can to open up businesses, but it also means from a public side, moving forward with efforts to revitalize our commercial districts. So like my, we did a uh, socially distanced groundbreaking uh, earlier this week for the Sherman Way Great Street in Reseda. Uh, it, it's on my website if you want to see it, but I, I stopped at like four different places along the Sherman Way corridor that we're, we're investing you know, several million dollars into to to really make that a great street, both street furniture and monument signs and and all sorts of things that were that are going to really make that street shine. And, and that's part of my overall receipt rising initiative, which is over a hundred million dollars of investment into that area, the uh, Reseda area, uh, to really revitalize it. And includes the hockey rink and and uh, the what will become a, a Lemley Theater where the old Reseda theater is and, and a number of things, but we have to keep the, the gas on those, you know, construction projects that are going to help move us forward and, and the public investments. Uh, like we're doing 25 million for the Reseda Boulevard complete streets program, uh, 800,000 in, in sidewalk uh, and crosswalk improvements in Sherman way and Canoga park. The reimagined Ventura uh, project is still moving forward. Uh, there was a little bit of delay because we were at the phase where we needed to do targeted outreach but that you couldn't do that outreach during the last two months because the, the folks, you know, because of social distancing and everything else. So that, but that's, that's still moving. And so, the, you know, we need to, we need to keep our, you know, as much any project and investment that we can accelerate, we need to put, you know, put our foot on the gas, uh, keeping an eye toward the health issues, but, uh, but also trying to invest as much as we can and, and open as much as we can. Councilmember, do you see those projects uh, moving forward, even in light of what's been happening with our city budget through this pandemic? Yes, uh, most of those projects that I mentioned, uh, you know, all are, are projects that I'd lined up the funding for previously, um, and and the the funding's kind of locked and loaded, and and you know, I, there's always going to be issues, and 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 there's always going to be some funding that needs to that we're going to need to figure out how to deal with the gap, but those are top priorities. And I don't see those, you know, we're going to have major, major cuts in, in the city and it's going to affect services and it's going to affect uh, a lot of things moving forward. Fortunately, I, I've had a lot of things that are already in the, the hopper and that have already are lined up like the hockey rink. I mean, that's $26 million, but that funding stack is, is there. We have a, some other tricks, you know, other bumps in the road, but, it's hard to for that money to be reprogrammed back. So that's that's a positive. 
That's great to hear. Thank you for keeping an eye on that and moving forward on all of those great projects through all of this. So our final topic is uh, actually we're going to revisit a little bit what we talked about earlier about the West Valley nonprofit organizations. You recognize that the necessary fundraising has pretty much ceased and that due to the sensitivity of our our financial uncertainty, uh, we're not accessing our, our normal revenue streams at this time as far as the nonprofits go. So I'm just going to cut it short and say thank you very much for the funding that you made available valley-wide. One of my questions was to ask you what motivated you to work so hard for that, but you've already answered that and telling us why you did it. And it was so extremely important and you had the foresight to see that this was coming and that it was going to be something that was needed. So thank you so very much for making sure that that happened. Really appreciate it. I'm not going to talk about the fact that Grateful Hearts is not happening for the Los Angeles Fire Department and the Los uh, Angeles Police yeah. Department and some of the other, uh, you know, Taste of Tarzana won't be happening and there's many other things. But I think that if we all work together with leaders like you in place, that we're going to be just fine and we're going to come out on the other end of this, uh, whether it's two months from now or a year from now, we're, we're going to come through this. Uh, we're just grateful for the leaders such as you that are, are helping us get through this. So thank you, council member. Um, I wanted to also say thank you for joining us the Friday of Memorial Day weekend, uh, carving out some time for us. Appreciate that. I, I appreciate you reminding me that it's a Friday because I feel like every day uh, as a Monday now. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's just one Monday after another in this pandemic, but uh so I want to remind everyone that this recording will be available on the West Valley Warner Center Chamber of Commerce podcast, which is called Valley Biz Buzz. So you can just type in Valley Biz Buzz on any of the stations that you normally listen to your podcast, and this will be available to you. And on behalf of the West Valley Chamber of Commerce members, board of directors, and staff, Thank you so much for taking this time with us, council member. You're doing a terrific job. You're so effective and and accomplishing so much. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words, but really thank you for all that you do and the chamber does uh, and everyone is doing at this difficult time to pull together because at the end of the day, as you said, we're going to get through this, but we're going to get through it together. Even if we're, we're, we're physically separated, it's really by working together that we're gonna we're gonna be able to fight this thing and move forward in a positive way. So thank you very thank much. Thank you. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Stay safe and we'll see you soon. Thank you, Council Member. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye.